0: Hello and welcome to this episode of The Cycle Edition, the podcast for those looking to go above and beyond in their understanding of the organic literature. I'm Grace Litowski and I am joined today by Matt Gensink and our special guest, Shane Lees. The paper we will be discussing is titled Electrophotocatalysis with a Tris Amino Radical Dication by the group of Tristan Lambert, who is a full professor at Columbia University. His group focuses on the development of novel and practical catalytic strategies for organic synthesis. The paper we are discussing today showcases a method that harnesses the oxidation potential of a tris-amino-cyclopropinium radical dication by the combination of electrochemistry and photoredox catalysis.
1: Today on the Cyclo edition, we have Shane Leese, guest starring. Shane is in his final year in the Young Group, and we're excited to have Shane with us because his research fits in really well with the topics we're discussing today. So Shane, if you wouldn't mind, we'd love it if you would just give a Thirty-second or so introduction to what you've been doing here in the Jung Group.
2: Yeah, so I mainly uh, focus on researching kind of an interplay between electrochemistry and photoredox chemistry. So this paper was of particular interest to me, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So this paper talks about kind of the interplay between photochemistry and
1: electrochemistry, and just looking at photochemistry and electrochemistry in general they're oftentimes placed into three different categories, those being net reductive, net oxidative, and redox neutral. The specific reaction that we're looking at here is net oxidative reaction, and a simple definition of that is a net oxidative reaction requires an external oxidant which can accept electrons.
0: Yeah, so if we just look at a photocatalytic oxidation reaction, it typically happens by exciting the photocatalyst with light And then that can abstract an electron from your substrate, so you oxidize your substrate. And then a terminal oxidant can then oxidize your photocatalyst back to its ground state.
2: And oftentimes the excited state potentials of these photocatalysts are more oxidizing than the terminal oxidant that you're using. So you're able to access different substrates than you are from the oxidant itself. So as Grace
1: was saying, photocatalysts are often used as oxidants and reductants. Um, But another more direct way to accomplish this same goal would be to use electrochemistry, where a potential can be applied to do the same types of oxidations and reductions.
2: In a nutshell, the way that electrochemistry is different from photoredox chemistry, is rather than using a molecular photocatalyst and light energy to have a chemical potential that either adds or removes an electron from a substrate, you can apply that potential directly at the electrode surface. And sometimes you'll use a redox mediator as a catalyst, which makes the kinetics of electron transfer between the mediator and the electrode, which is a heterogeneous electron transfer process, faster. And then you can have that mediator migrate into solution and go on and do whatever it's going to do whether that be oxidation or reduction. And in this paper they're using the trisaminocyclopropenium molecule as the redox mediator. It's oxidized at the surface of the electrode and then it goes on and absorbs a photon of light and becomes an even more powerful oxidant which can interact with the substrate. The paper that we're looking at today starts off by kind of looking at previous
1: strategies in combining photochemistry and electrochemistry. So one of them that they talk about is the strategy from Shannon Stahl where he reports an emanation of carbon-SV3 hydrogen bonds. So he basically goes after a pretty well-known reaction but tries to come up with a strategy where they can expand the substrate scope of this well-known reaction and have better functional group compatibility. So the way that this reaction uses electrochemistry and photochemistry is it basically uses electrochemistry to generate a reactive intermediate and then in a later step of the catalytic cycle, it uses photochemistry to homolyze, in this case, a nitrogen iodide bond. So basically they are being used in the same reaction, but they're being used in completely different steps of the reaction.
0: Another recent method that has combined photochemistry and electrochemistry is by Gratzel & Hu, and they use this hematite photoanode, and this is actually a known electrode that has been used in solar-driven water oxidation before, but it's never been applied to organic synthesis applications. And so in this reaction, this photoanode is excited with light, and then that can oxidize um, your electron-rich airing to do the desired transformation.
2: And before we get into the details of this paper, just to give a little context of previous photoredox catalyzed CH emanations of arenes that have been reported, in 2015 in Science, Nishevitz published an acridinium based photocatalyst using a tempo additive and air as the terminal oxidant to do a very similar transformation, but he was limited in the substrate scope to relatively electron rich arenes. He followed this up with a 2017 publication in JAX which really delved into the finer points of uh, this transformation and predicted the um, selectivities that they saw. Subsequently, Iwen Lay in Nature Communications in 2017, also using an acridinium photocatalyst, got around using air as a terminal oxidant by using a cobalt-based hydrogen evolution catalyst as the oxidant. And also subsequently in 2017 in Kencom. Uh, showed that they could functionalize thiophenes using DDQ and tert-butyl nitrite as an oxidant. And then finally, in, also in 2017, uh, Koenig in Chemistry European Journal using DDQ as a photocatalyst and tert-butyl nitrite and air as a terminal oxidant uh, showed a very elegant method for functionalizing arenes using carbamates, pyrazoles, sulfonamides, and urea all as nucleophiles. And so a trend that you can follow as like this progression of methods has evolved is that they go to more and more oxidizing photocatalysts to access reactivity with harder to oxidize substrates that culminates in this paper with the disclosure of this cyclopropenium dication photocatalyst that's even more oxidizing than DDQ. So kind of going off of what you were saying Shane this progression of papers uses
1: more and more oxidizing photocatalysts uh, to be able to oxidize harder to oxidize substrates. And just kind of looking at why that actually is. If we go back to the initial Nasevich paper, he uses an acridinium photocatalyst with an oxidation potential of 2.15 volts. And if we're looking at the oxidation potential of benzene, which uh, in this paper is referenced as 2.48 volts, that is a thermodynamically uphill process so in general for thermodynamically downhill process the oxidation potential of the photocatalyst has to be higher than the oxidation potential of the substrate so that kind of rationalizes why in nasevich's initial report they were not able to have benzene as a substrate whereas as we keep going down this progression of paper using more and more oxidizing photocatalysts the substrate scope was able to be expanded
0: And in the Necevich paper, they do a lot of substituted benzenes. So you'll notice that there's a lot of electron-rich airings that he is able to oxidize, and this is just because if you have an electron-rich airing, it is able to stabilize the radical cation that is formed, so that lowers the oxidation potential to where if you were to put electron withdrawing groups on the airing, that would not stabilize the radical cation, and so that oxidation potential is higher than that of benzene.
2: If you want to access even more difficult to oxidize substrates you need to find a way to get to higher oxidation potentials and one way of doing that you could imagine is with direct electrolysis just applying that potential at the surface of an electrode but this paper shows one of the potential problems with that is that when you're applying this very highly oxidizing potential at the electrode surface you can have a lot of problematic side reactions that can occur. You can have intermediates that will interact with the electrode itself and passivate it and since you're generating a large quantity of these intermediates in a very high concentration in the compact layer of the electrochemical cell they can react with each other in often non-productive pathways. This paper Combines electrochemistry and photoredox chemistry to generate these more oxidizing species in a much more controlled manner. So this paper goes after a very similar type of reaction
1: uh, to the ones that we were talking about before, namely a CH amination. And to do this, they use a unique catalyst that they term an electrophotocatalyst. And this is a tris-amino-cyclopropenium cation. So these cations are a pretty unique class of compounds. Basically, they're aromatic three-membered rings. So these were initially found a long time ago in the 50s. So normally we think of organic cations as being pretty unstable species, but in this case, the aromaticity accounts for um, the remarkable stability that's seen with this class of compounds. Um, It's also kind of interesting to recognize that these are aromatic, even though they're not like the typical six-membered earrings that we're used to seeing. But in this case, Huckel's rule still applies. That's just the 4n plus 2. In this case, n is 0. So there are two electrons in this aromatic system. Kind of the other rationalization for this stability is the three amines that are the substituents of the three-membered rings. Those can donate into the electron-deficient system via resonance and stabilize the compound. So the paper that we're talking about today refers to the dication. That's the active catalyst in solution. And the dication has actually been made and isolated in the past, before this paper. Um, previous authors oxidized the original cation to the dication um, and even crystallized that dication uh, and got X-ray, an X-ray structure for it. And that dication uh, is like these brilliant brick red crystals they report. So the authors of the paper that we're talking about today kind of saw that and from the paper realized that this dication may be able to function as a photocatalyst.
0: After realizing that this molecule had the potential to act as a photoredox catalyst, the authors did uv vis experiments to calculate the oxidation potential, which they calculated to be 3.33 volts versus SCE. This is higher than the commonly used ruthenium and iridium photocatalyst and higher than common organic photocatalysts like acrodenium. To rationalize why this is so strongly oxidizing, we can look at a simplified molecular orbital diagram of the photocatalyst. If you would like to follow along with our drawings of the molecular orbital diagram, you can switch over to the YouTube version of this podcast. So setting up the molecular orbital diagram, Within the bonding orbitals, the cyclopropinium ion has two pi electrons that mix with the six electrons from the amine substituents, forming four molecular orbitals containing eight electrons. Electrochemical oxidation of the cyclopropinium ion removes an electron from the highest occupied molecular orbital to give the molecular orbital diagram of the radical dication. This molecular orbital diagram has two nearly degenerate highest occupied molecular orbitals and a singly occupied molecular orbital that is higher in energy than the nearly degenerate HOMOs. When this is photo excited with light, an electron is promoted from the HOMO to the SOMO, which inverts the HOMO and SOMO, and leaves a hole in the sub frontier molecular orbital. This hole is then repopulated by electron transfer with the substrate. The energy gained from repopulating this hole is what makes this photocatalyst so oxidizing.
2: So, one interesting, or one other interesting tidbit about this photocatalyst is that uh, the methyl groups on the piperidine rings actually impart some stability as well. When they're all in the axial position, it helps to avoid allylic type strain within the cyclopropenium ring. So, if you don't have those methyl groups, Um, at the two and six positions of the piperdine, the photocatalyst is actually much less stable. The other thing to note here is that this electrophotocatalyst
1: can be made really simply over two steps from commercially available starting material
2: and a 65% overall yield. So if we take a closer look at uh, what's actually going on in this transformation and looking at the mechanism, the cyclopropenium cation is oxidized electrochemically to the dication. This is the active photocatalyst in this reaction. Uh, so it absorbs a photon to the excited state. This is quenched by benzene to create the benzene radical cation, which can trap uh, the substituted pyrazole to form the radical intermediate. And then upon loss of another electron and proton, we generate the, the CH amination product. And then on the cathodic side of the cell, you are reducing H plus to dihydrogen, and that completes the cycle. So Shane, as you mentioned, there is a reaction going on at the anode
1: and at the cathode of this electrochemical cell. So at the anode is oxidation of the electrophotocatalyst, and at the cathode is reduction of protons to hydrogen gas. So in the paper they also talk about kind of some of the experimental details of this setup. They talk about using both a uh, divided and undivided cell. So Shane, I know you have some experience with setting up electrochemical reactions, so maybe you could comment
2: on the differences between those two setups. Sure. So basically, in an undivided cell, which is the simplest kind of setup that you can think of, you have your cathode and your anode in the same vessel and they're just separated by some amount of the same solution. So presumably anything that's in solution could react either at the anodic surface or the cathodic surface. So you might have some problematic reactions that could happen there. And if you do, uh, it might benefit you to go to a divided cell, where the anodic chamber and the cathodic chamber are separated by some barrier. In this case, they used a glass frit which allows the passage of ions for you to have current passing through the cell, but does not allow mixing of the two solutions. So on the cathodic side, you just have acid and electrolyte. so you're evolving hydrogen gas. On the anodic side, you have your photocatalyst, which is the thing that's being oxidized, and your two substrates, and they won't mix and cross over to the cathodic side.
0: Looking at the scope of this paper, they show many examples of Pyrzol-derived substrates, coupling to benzene or other electron-deficient derivatives of benzene. So these electron-deficient arenes have a high oxidation potential. To where, um, using a acridinium photocatalyst like shown in the Nishevich science paper, would not be able to oxidize these airings. So they showcase a good number of halogenated or dihalogenated um, benzenes. So with the electron-deficient airings, they wanted to see how far that they could take this. Or by looking at a fluorine-substituted benzene, they do get a 36% yield. Or when it's substituted with a CF3 group, um, they state that this is too deactivating to where they see no reactivity. And then the second half of the scope shows less electron deficient airings. So these ones were acceptable by Nasevich's system, but just showing some of the utility behind this transformation um, and some of the functional groups that are tolerated in this system.
1: So looking at this paper as a whole, this is really a cool example of using electrochemistry and photochemistry really in tandem to create one super oxidizing photocatalyst of looking back at what we were saying before, electrochemistry and photochemistry have been combined in the past, um, but this combination is really unique in that you really are combining the energy inputs from both electrochemistry and photochemistry into one intermediate.
2: I really enjoyed reading this paper and I think that this insight they had to combine electrochemistry and photoredox chemistry and to access this highly oxidizing catalyst will allow them to push the limits on what substrates they can functionalize even further. I'm excited to see where they take this next.
0: And that's our show! Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Cyclo Edition. For more information on the paper discussed, we have included a selection of resources we used in our research at the end of the YouTube video. This was our take on a very interesting paper, and we would love to continue the conversation with you please comment below the YouTube video and reach out on social media. You can follow The Psycho Edition on Twitter and Instagram, where we will post updates about our next episode. You can find The Psycho Edition wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube.